Conti here, joining you once again from the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridor's flagship incubator with another episode of the CDC Tech Life podcast. Earlier this year, we featured Knut Floor, who was transitioning from a long and storied career in industry with BMW USA to a role with the College of Charleston, helping cultivate the technology industry leaders of tomorrow. In this episode, we go back on campus to the College of Charleston to talk with another leader in their administration about the role they're playing to help fuel the growth in the local tech industry with local talent. Today's interview is brought to you by the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. I'm joined by Sebastian Van Delden. Sebastian is the Dean of School of Sciences and Mathematics at College of Charleston. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rich, for having me. Sebastian, let's start by talking a little bit about your current role as the Dean of Sciences and Mathematics, what the role entails, and, and how you'd like to see the school grow under your leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, Rich, uh, the College of Charleston is a 10,000 student comprehensive mm-hmm. public university, and it's divided into six schools. One of those schools, my school, mm-hmm. the School of Sciences and Mathematics, which is actually being renamed today to be the School of Sciences, Mathematics, and Engineering oh, great. Uh, to help yeah. increase the visibility of our new engineering programs. But under my portfolio of programs, we have everything from astrophysics mm-hmm. to marine biology to biochemistry, mm-hmm. five computing programs, three engineering programs, 2,000 students in total studying one of those STEM disciplines right here in the College of Charleston. That's great. T- tell us a little bit about your background and the experiences that led you to career in higher ed and then eventually here to Charleston. Yeah, absolutely. So I I was actually born and raised on a small island in the Caribbean called mm-hmm. Seba. And when I was 13 years old, my dad bought me a Commodore 64 computer. <laughs> and I just loved getting magazines and trying to type in those basic mm-hmm. programs, mm-hmm. making those little bowling programs work mm-hmm. and things that I fascinated about that. Always knew I wanted to study computer science. I came to the U.S. as an international student, went to University of Central Florida, UCF in Orlando. Um, got my first job as assistant professor of computer science at USC Yep. State, went to Louisiana, mm-hmm. and now I'm very fortunate to have landed here in Charleston. So, you know, technical fields, computer science always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Also, from a young age, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Never thought mm-hmm. I'd actually be working at a university. But when I was at UCF, I just became fascinated with the concept mm-hmm. of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And there's where I focused a lot of my PhD work on, and the rest is history. Yeah, you talk about the Commodore 64. We're a similar age, and I remember in high school thinking, you know, basic programming class and most of the work we did on digital you know uh, equipment corporation they called them uh, uh, pdp 11 deck writers right so there was no display even right you'd type in commands and you'd get a printing you know uh, response from from the mini computer and and the the, the crown jewel though over in a corner was a trs 80 uh mm-hmm. from radio shack that had uh, used an actual tape recorder as the storage medium and and it was trying to get time on that was 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 so competitive and and it was precious but we've sort of had a, a you know given our uh, age group uh, we've been fortunate to have sort of a front row seat for just this entire digital transformation you know not just the businesses but you know um, these these programs really you know taking on uh, a lot of significance you know in academia 
media. And so what's your perspective been sort of as we've gone through this this growth, you know, and you've had the front row seat of it uh, being directly in academia? Yeah, so just from the time when I studied computer science in the, in the 90s at <laughs> UCF till today, of course, the technology keeps transforming at a record-breaking pace. Uh, but uh, at the same time, a lot of the core principles kind of do remain the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'm teaching a big uh, a course in data structures. Mm-hmm. And some of those underlying data structures, the foundational stuff that underpins modern software, is kind of mm-hmm. hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. What does change is the modern IDEs and tools mm-hmm. that developers use to create, you know, the new apps of today. And that, that's one of the challenges that higher ed faces in general, mm-hmm. because higher ed in general, not the College of Charleston mm-hmm. uh, per se, is just, it's not as nimble as industry, right. and industry can take a little bit more risk when it comes to experimenting with bleeding mm-hmm. edge technologies. And, you know, colleges need to not only prepare students to fulfill a niche in society, but also prepare them to be a good citizen of society. And so that broad-based general education is also very important to college education. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are some some of the areas where higher ed and, 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 mm-hmm. and industry and companies can kind of butt heads a little bit, perhaps. Talk a little bit more about your perspective on the relationship between private industry and higher education. You talked about it's, it's more challenging for higher ed to keep pace with the rapidly evolving technolo- technology, whereas private industry can, like you said, take some of those bets, take some of those risks. But what do you see as sort of the give and take between the two sectors? Uh, sure. And so every company, we have great industry advisory boards at the yeah. College of Charleston, whether it's for a computer science program or chemistry programs mm-hmm. or engineering programs. And so having our professors interact with working professionals mm-hmm. is just so very important to help keep our curriculum current. Some of our mm-hmm. courses are best taught by a professor mm-hmm. and some are best taught by an industry yeah. person. So and in, in fact, our uh, capstone course for mm-hmm. computer science is taught by a scrum master who works for Booz Allen. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful partnership. But, of course, every company has their own tech stack, their own business model, their own client base. So every individual company will tell us, you have to teach X, Y, and Z. And then the other company (laughs) will say, you have to teach A, B, and C. And so the trick is in academia to find those common threads to prepare a student who can get the job for Microsoft, for BlackBot, for Boeing, and and really have a a range of careers and not just train them how to make widgets at Mm -hmm. company X. And so those are some of the give and takes that happens between industry in academia. Yeah, myself getting to see BlackBot bring in, um, you know, we've got a great program for entry-level engineers. We do a lot of uh, college recruiting. You come in and, you know, you've got these potential rock stars, but the biggest challenge is getting them to um, not even just adapt to our domain that we work in, but really just the business of software development, right? You know, the, the planning that goes on, the agile ceremonies and all of that can be just as challenging. But as you said, every company has its own version of that, so... Correct. And, you know, it's funny you should mention that because the concept of software engineering versus computer science is interesting. And, you know, the newest degree program at the College of Charleston is in software engineering, the first in the state of South Carolina. And I recall talking to company after company, they hire computer science students. The computer science students are working on projects for companies and they take it upon themselves to add these interesting features that they think are really cool. And then the CEO of the company is like, no, 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 you don't do that. We bill customers for that work. And so teaching students students, you know, not only the mm-hmm. foundational computer science, but how to work in these Scrum Agile development teams to deliver software on time, mm-hmm. on budget is very important. And so that's why we've actually stood up all degree mm-hmm. programs in this area now. Yeah. 
you know, one of the interesting things I think about, you know, being in technology in, in higher ed is you have to have that very forward looking view of, you know, where the industries are, are going as a whole. So you can, again, you don't have the ability to be as nimble. So you need to have that foresight. You know, given that, what do you think some of the challenges that are facing the technology industry that are out there on the horizon that maybe those of us who work in private industry aren't necessarily facing yet, but that you see out there? Well, I, I think the workforce of the future will be one of the challenges facing every sector mm-hmm. of the economy, and technology engineering certainly uh, won't be any different. And I think one way that we can start to address that is blurring the lines between academia and industry. Mm-hmm. And there's several different ways to do that. The one one of the ways we do that at the College of Charleston is in our capstone projects. Like I, I kind of said earlier, we yeah. can't do everything for everybody, mm-hmm. but what we can do is have a variety variety of companies come in on day one, pitch project ideas to our students, and then the students try and develop that product for the company and deliver it to them by the end of the semester. And in doing so, the students learning that company's tech stack, their business model, they're, they're getting mm-hmm. familiar with the company culture. And then so when they graduate, hopefully that's the perfect candidate mm-hmm. to get a job and onboard very easily. So if more and more of those mechanisms can be established just nationwide, it will help the tech um, mm-hmm. industry in general. And it also brings fresh ideas into the fold, right? Because typically, uh, big companies with folks have been working for a long time, you know, the, the attitude can sometimes be, oh, we can't do that. We can't do anything. <laughs> and then you hire on a fresh college graduate with attitude of, we can do anything. <laughs> and then they meet in the middle and that can sometimes lead to very uh, innovative um, products. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, we're obviously at a point in society where there's a lot of challenges out there on our horizon, but those can be some of the interesting and, and times with the, with the greatest opportunity. I think one of those opportunities, just what you talked about, rethinking the lines between for-profit, non-profit, and public, and where are there opportunities to maybe sort of, you know, um, not just partner, but even sort of blend and blur the lines a little bit between those. And it's great to see, you know, here in Charleston, you know, organizations, of course, like the Charleston Digital Corridor, but also the college that are sort of actively thinking about what some of those opportunities are. We, we absolutely are, and that's why we're creating these new innovative programs to mm-hmm. try and step up and meet industry need. You know, when you're in the middle of the city, the only city in the world that makes cars and planes mm-hmm. in the same city with Volvo, <laughs> Volvo Bo, uh, Boeing, and I Mercedes. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of critical that we yeah. step up, do our part to help support the regional economy. And with the systems engineering program, mm-hmm. we just launched electrical engineering with a focus on mm-hmm. autonomous electric vehicles. We just launched software engineering, and now the new thing we're working on as in digital manufacturing technology, mm-hmm. which has focus areas in AR, VR systems and manufacturing settings, AI, machine learning, and manufacturing settings. And then my course that I'm, I'm designing for the curriculum is called Robotic Wrangling, which is not so much designing you know, the next robot arm per se, but how do you teach a kid how to program a machine to do various tasks mm-hmm. in industry. So we're that's the, the next thing we're working on that we hope to launch within a year or so. Well, that's great. Yeah. I want to keep tabs on that. My 11-year-old uh, just joined the robotics club at his school, and he's just you know utterly fascinated by, by all of that. Yeah. It is fascinating. And, and the robotics, not everybody will work in robotics, mm-hmm. but it can definitely capture a kid's mm-hmm. imagination. Mm-hmm. Here at the college, we have a Boston Dynamics spot robot. Mm-hmm. Those are those bio-mimicry-inspired, uh, mm-hmm. dog-looking mm-hmm. uh, robots. And you see it on YouTube, and yeah. it's cool. But when you see it in person and you pass the mm-hmm. controller to a 10-year-old kid, I can literally pass them control they can grab it and with their thumbs start moving Mm -hmm. around 
it really inspires them to shoot for the stars when it comes to going to college, for sure. That's great. You know, you talked about your journey and, and what led you to here to Charleston, but what was it that really you know, drew you to Charleston? You know, you'd had that experience at, you know, in Columbia, but like, what was it about Charleston? Was it just, you know, the opportunity at the college or was there anything about the area that sort of um, particularly attracted you? I, it was a few things. Uh, so I was hired here in 2015 as the computer science department chair, became dean of the School of Sciences and Mathematics four years ago. And the same week that I got the offer to come here. I got an offer from a different university mm-hmm. for more or less the same job, mm-hmm. and it was a bigger, um, more engineering-focused school, much bigger, more in a rural area. And, of course, what really drew me to Charleston with my family was Charleston. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's always a factor. Uh, same is true for our students. One of the top reasons they like okay. to study at a college Charleston is Charleston because it really is a living, learning laboratory where they can apply what they're learning. Don't matter if they're majoring in psychology mm-hmm. or education or business or whatever. There's some way to apply what they learn in the community as a student here. So, I mean, obviously, uh, Charleston's absolutely beautiful, uh, great place to live, great quality mm-hmm. of life, and accessible to just so many different parts of the country mm-hmm. from, from this eastern location. So, certainly that played a big factor in the draw here. And, of course, the College of Charleston, you know, it's a historic university, mm-hmm. the 13th oldest in America, 252 years old, and a very unique time in history where we have this reputation mm-hmm. History of, of rich liberal arts. What mm. means what that means is a broad-based education, preparing students not just to make widgets when they right. graduate, but to be a, a, a contributing member of free and democratic society, mm. understanding the global societal and ethical impacts of the things that they're making. And when you take that and you wrap a computer science person mm-hmm. or engineer around that core education, it leads to a very interesting technical graduate by the time they graduate. Yeah, earlier this year, we had a colleague of yours, Canute Floor, sure, on, yeah. and, and he talked a lot about that. He talked about, you know, the importance of not just having, you know, technologists who are um, you know, highly competent in the technology, but having that that broad view to be able to work, you know, because particularly in the management ranks, particularly in manufacturing, that's the type of person they're looking for going forward that combines the technological skill set with that broader view and the ability to sort of, um, you know, think about how we, you know, contribute to society and the ethics around all of that. Absolutely. You know, there was an engineer from another university, Mm -hmm. a big university in South Carolina, who gave me a quote. He said, Sebastian, if every tool in your toolbox is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. And the same is true with producing college graduates. If every engineering Mm -hmm. student you hire comes from a traditional engineering Mm -hmm. school, they'll all tackle a problem the same way. Mm -hmm. So a College of Charleston computer science or engineering graduate will see that problem from a different point of view and bring a different perspective Mm -hmm. on the solution, which is important for coming up with good solutions. Yeah, great. Given your role, what's your perspective on the technology industry and community here in Charleston and South Carolina more generally, particularly the, the change we've been going through over the last decade plus? Well, I think, you know, having worked closely with Ernest now for seven mm-hmm. years, it's it's wild what Ernest has been able to accomplish with the digital corridor, with the new facility mm-hmm. and the plans for the next new facility. Mm-hmm. And Ernest is just such a ball of energy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable to see Charleston transforming right before our eyes, mm-hmm. thanks to Ernest, thanks to uh, Charleston Economic mm-hmm. Development, thanks to the CRDA and everybody else that makes up the entire mm-hmm. ecosystem here in Charleston. So I think we have a beautiful 
um, startup community here in Charleston. We have a lot of big, of course, high-tech manufacturing companies. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I'm hoping we'll get soon will be a major development studio. I should say a development studio from a major name brand company mm -hmm. like a you know Microsoft, Facebook um, yeah. kind of operation. So I think that's maybe the one thing that's missing so mm -hmm. far. And hopefully we'll get there very soon. I think in general the state is becoming better at mm -hmm. putting together economic incentive packages, not for, only for manufacturing mm -hmm. companies, which will have big capital investments, but for tech companies, which don't really have big capital investment facilities, mm -hmm. they're investing in people. people. And so your tax structures around the state have to be set up correctly mm -hmm. to kind of inspire that or support that. And I think we're all getting there, we're all getting in the, mm -hmm. moving in the right direction. If you see how much Charleston or in like the upstate of yeah. South Carolina yeah. has transformed in, in the last 20 years, it's wild to think what it's going to look like in the next 20 years. Yeah. Now, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to hit you with a question I didn't sort of prepare you with ahead of time. But I, th I think it'll be a fun one. What's, um, you know, over your career, what's been your favorite uh, course to teach? My favorite course to teach is maybe a tie between uh, data structures, the one I'm actually yep. teaching right now, because it's a very, it's a technical course. It's very abstract. In fact, just last night in my class, we were talking about how to solve this uh, program for a little game, which involves this A-star, you know, AI searching algorithm and something called a tree data structure. And then you have to manipulate these one-dimensional arrays. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning, the the students are just like, wow, I can I, I would never, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. But then we break it down in manageable yeah. parts and we solve one thing at a time. We make sure each part works. Yeah. We put it together. We get it to work. So that's a, certainly one that I, I always enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. But I also really enjoy teaching AI, um, mm -hmm. computer vision, even web program. I enjoy teaching in general. It's yeah. one of the most rewarding uh, professions you can, you can go into for sure. Well, that's great. What are some of the ways people in the community can follow what's happening at the college and get involved? Absolutely. So we uh, we love to engage members of the community in several different ways. Uh, just reach out to professor, ask to be a mm -hmm. guest speaker in a class. Mm -hmm. We love guest speakers, uh, successful people in industry. Mm -hmm. Come and talk to our students about the next steps in life. You know, college education mm -hmm. is not the end. It's a means to an mm -hmm. end. And so it's a simple uh, guest presentation is amazing. Most of our programs have industry boards. They're very light lifts. You come in, you give us advice on the curriculum. Of course, we have career fairs. Think of a College Charleston student mm -hmm. or graduate um, for your future employee. That, I mean, that's the number one thing right. we want to do and make sure every one of our students get a job when, when they graduate. And of course, College of Charleston, uh, we have an amazing athletics program. Mm -hmm. The basketball games are a lot of fun. <laughs> if you haven't been to a basketball game, our TD Arena just have a brand new digital ribbon. It's going to be new this season. You, you really got to come out and support mm -hmm. our athletics program. It's a lot of fun. So there's so many ways to get involved. We have an amazing School of the Arts, so many awesome mm -hmm. performances with um, you know, whether it's theater, opera, or, or whatever. It's really so many ways to get engaged. I would just encourage people to check us out. Follow us on social media, of course. Sebastian Van Delden, Dean of the School of Sciences, Mathematics, and now engineer, engineer. Software Engineering at the College of Charleston. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Rich. Really appreciate it. to hear about the amazing work that Sebastian and others are doing at the College of Charleston and how they're helping fuel the growth of the local tech industry by helping to build a foundation of local talent. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated 
to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. As always, I want to thank Ernest and his team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for their support in bringing this show to you. You can find our other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, follow the Charleston Digital Corridor to stay up to date on all of the happenings here in Charleston. I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. Thank you.